Well, good morning. Okay, I just got to know as we start, show of hands, participation, okay? How many of you, and you have to be honest, how many of you are scary movie fans, like love scary movies? There are several of you in this room, and I'm going to take that as, y'all are crazy. Like I, okay, I hate scary movies. I watched a scary movie when I was in high school and it was called, I Know What You Did Last Summer. And some of you are like, oh yeah, ice picture scary. And I couldn't go into the garage by myself. I was a high schooler. I was supposed to be in the prime like toughness of my life. And I couldn't go into the garage for several weeks after that by myself. My dad finally looked at me, he's like, seriously son, it was a movie. And I'm like, okay, it was scary. Well, there was, there was another movie out when I was in high school, not I Know What You Did Last Summer, and there was several people that watched this movie, and they're like, Dave, you have to watch this movie. And I got to the point where I'm like, I don't like scary movies. I'm not watching a scary movie. And, they, and this is what they told me. They go, Dave, it's not scary. They said this. This is the word they used. It's suspenseful. You want to know what suspenseful means? Stinking scary. That's what it means. And so they come and they're like, Dave, this movie's suspenseful. And so it was a movie that came out in 1999. It had Haley Joel Osment in it and Bruce Willis. And it was a movie called The Sixth Sense. And some of you are like, that's a great movie. And yes, it is a great movie. So I watched this movie. And so it was, yes, suspenseful, scary a little bit. And there was a line in that movie. The premise of the movie is Haley Joel Osment's a kid and he sees dead people. And so he's working with a counselor named Bruce Willis. And I forgot Bruce Willis's character's name. And uh, the, Bruce Willis is helping him process what he is as he sees dead people. And here's this, there's a big twist in it. I'm not going to tell you if you watch the movie. There's all this stuff that goes on in it. And here's what ultimately it comes down to. There's a line in the movie that as we've been walking through the book of Ephesians together as a church, that just like, I'm sitting there going, that's Ephesians. And it's, it's in the movie, Haley Joel Osment looks at Bruce Willis and he does this. I see dead people. And he goes, they're walking around like regular people. They only see what they wanna see and they don't even know they're dead. And it's like one of those lines where you're like, oh, oh my goodness. And you get shivers up your spine. And if you've seen the movie, you know what that means. Hey, if you're new here, I'm Dave. I'm one of the pastors on staff. <laughs> you're like, I forgot that part. If you are joining us in uh, Amped, Blend, Roan County, Bearden, glad to be with you. We are in a series in the book of Ephesians. And here's where we've been as we've walked through Ephesians. You're going to see how the sixth sense connects here in a minute. In the book of Ephesians, the first three chapters of the book really dive into our identity in Christ. The phrase in Christ, in Christ, in Christ is repeated again and again and again. And it's a foundation for the rest of the book, verse, chapters 4, 5, and 6. And what happens in chapter 4 is we shift. Now that our, we know that our identity is in Christ, here's what it looks like to live as the people of God. And so a couple weeks ago, it says our identity demands that we live out holiness, that we be a holy people. Why? Because God is holy and he sets apart a people unto himself. So we are to live as set-apart people for God. Last week we saw that as uh, our identity is rooted in Christ, it demands that we live out love. Why? Because God is love. That's who God is. 
This week, here's what we're gonna see, is that my identity in Christ is to reflect his light into a dark world. We're gonna be looking at Ephesians chapter five today, so if you have your journals, we're gonna be on page 20 of your journals. Uh, Ephesians chapter five, if you have your Bibles, you can turn them on, whatever. And in order for us to understand where Paul is going this week, we actually need to look back. We need to look back at who Paul says we were. And the truth is, is that we all once were dead people walking around in darkness. We were just like the movie The Sixth Sense. Apart from Christ, we were dead. That is true for every single one of us in this room, every single one of us who are watching. We were dead. Paul writes about this in Ephesians chapter two. He says this in verses one through three. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just like the rest of mankind. This is true for all of us. We were dead people walking, and as dead people walking around in darkness, we desired the things that dead people desire. And as we jump into our passage today, Paul's going to look back and go, when you were dead, here are the things that you desired. So if you have your journals, your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 3, says this, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time, you were darkness. Paul is writing to the Ephesians, these saints, these people of God in Ephesus, and he says, you were darkness. And you pursued the things of darkness. And he goes out and he lists a few things. And ultimately he says sexual immorality, impurity, covetousness. And he ultimately compares that and he goes, that's idolatry. Paul breaks it down and he goes, this, in darkness, this is what you pursue. You are greedy people who pursue sex, money, and power. That's ultimately, in darkness, that's what you pursue. And this is what he's writing to the church in Ephesus. But as we look at what he's writing to the church in Ephesus, it sounds a lot like our culture today, doesn't it? What does our culture today pursue? Sex, money, and power. And we do all of those things on our own terms. It's no wonder why in our culture today that pornography is a $12 billion a year industry. It's no wonder that the ease of access by which we can gain access to pornography and the images of that is easier than it has ever been in human history. Why? Because we have a full computer right in our pocket at all times. Oh, and we give those to our kids. 
It's no wonder why that used to be, I remember growing up in church services and at camps and stuff, and when this issue would come up, the preacher would be up front and going, guys, guys, you need to listen up. And he would single out the men in the room, but the problem is, statistics show us that this is no longer just a male issue. This is a man and a woman issue, and it's actually becoming a people problem, not just a male problem. It's no wonder why, apart from Christ, homosexuality is just common and normal. It's no wonder why, apart from Christ, we pursue the things of darkness. It's no wonder why we live in a culture of darkness that says we can't even define what a man and a woman is anymore. It's no wonder why, apart from Christ, in a culture of darkness, the greatest pursuit in marriage is happiness. And so if your spouse no longer makes you happy, then it's full permission to cheat on your spouse because you deserve to be happy. And that's what our culture buys into apart from Christ. That's what we desire when we walk in darkness. It's no wonder why our culture, we've normalized a sexualized culture. And I don't think that we even know the ramifications that it's causing in our society. And the problem is, I don't think we realize the ramifications it's having on our kids. You see, Paul tells us that when we walk in darkness, these are the things that we go after. Ultimately, we go after money, sex, power on our own terms. We are greedy people. But then he changes in verse eight, he changes, and he says, but now. And this is a huge verse. Look at it in the second part of verse eight. But now, you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says... Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. You were darkness, Paul says, but that's not who you are. You are light. In Christ, that is true of you. And I love the way the scripture talks about that. The scripture doesn't, Paul doesn't go, hey, you're kind of near a light source. He doesn't go, you're just around light. You're just, you're, you're like uh, a little bit light. No, he goes, you are light. Now let's think about the rationale behind this. In John chapter eight, verse 12, Jesus says this. I, Jesus says, am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus says, I'm the source of all light. Jesus goes, I am light, and Paul, I mean, I'm sorry, John used, loves to use the imagery of light and darkness, and we even get that imagery there of Jesus going, I am the light of the world, and if you're a follow me, you're not going to walk in darkness. Now, continue following that logic. Paul picks up on this in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, and he says this, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, 
were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is a guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So Jesus is light. He is the light of the world. And what happens when we believe in him, when we submit our lives to him, what happens? Jesus gives us his very spirit. The spirit of Christ dwells within us. He is the seal. And so the spirit of light dwells within us. So that's why Paul, when he looks at us, he goes, you are light. The Holy Spirit dwells in you and that changes everything. You were darkness, but that's not you anymore. In Christ, you are light. And what happens is, is that as we walk in that light, our desires begin to change. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is working in our lives, in our minds, renewing us, and he's changing our desires. And Paul goes, you will move from going after sex and money and power, and what are you going to pursue instead? You are actually going to want to pursue what is good, what is right, and what is true. See, Paul in verse 9 sums that up. He goes, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of light is what is good, right, and true. But he expands on that in Galatians chapter 5. And he says the fruit of the Spirit is going to develop as we walk in the light. And what's the fruit of the Spirit? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You see, we move from being selfish and greedy and the Holy Spirit works in our lives and he changes our desires, he changes us from the inside and it actually moves us to be other-centered and not self-centered. So that even the way in which we view sexual relationships changes. Why? Because we wanna pursue love and not just selfishness. And we actually learn self-control. That's one of the things that the Holy Spirit does in our life. And Paul continues on this train of thought and he says in verse 10, he says this, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. That's a funny phrase, isn't it? I mean, imagine you come to me and you go, Dave, I'm, I'm walking in the light. I, I, I want to follow the Lord. And I just look at you and I go, hey, try to discern what's pleasing to the Lord. Try and figure it out. You'd be like, well, is it, what, what do I do? 20 years ago this June, my wife and I stood at an altar getting married. And so I don't remember a lot of things about standing at the altar, I remember two specific things. One of them is this. I remember standing there in a tuxedo and sweating down my back. I remember drips of sweat dripping down my back. It was June in San Diego and I was freaking out going, what am I doing? And it's like, getting married, here we go. And so, and here's the other thing I remember. The pastor that was marrying us was standing there. He's a family friend of ours and we were walking through some scripture and then I remember he turned and he looked at me and he said, Dave, Here's your job. You need to find out what Marissa likes. You need to find out the things that make her happy. And then I remember him looking at me and going, do those things. Sounds easy, doesn't it? And then he turned to Marissa and said the same thing. Find out what Dave likes. Do those things more and more, and it's going to go well for you. You know what didn't happen when I got married? Marissa did not give me a list. 
She didn't give me a list like a week before the wedding and just be like, hey, if you wanna know the things that I like, we dated, I knew the things that she didn't like, I knew how to press her buttons and I knew how to like tick her off and I knew some of the things she likes, but she didn't give me a list and go, if you want it to go well with you in this marriage, just do these things, take out the garbage. I mean, she didn't give me all those things. Why? Because in a relationship, like a marriage, what is it? We have to learn who the other person is, and here's the crazy part. We as people change over time, don't we? And so what happens is we have to continually learn, if you're in a marriage relationship, you have to continually learn who your spouse is and what makes them happy and what they like, and I'm gonna encourage you, do those things. The same is true with the Lord. It is a relationship with God. Paul's going, you are in relationship with light. Now try to discern, try to figure it out. And you know what it means? It means it's gonna take effort. It means it's gonna take time. It means you're gonna have to spend quality time with him, learning to hear his voice. And as we learn these things, we discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Paul tells us right here some things that aren't. You don't wanna please the Lord, then Practice sexual immorality, impurities, covetousness. You see, we know what is pleasing to the Lord. And yet, Paul is saying, don't go back. The phrase that keeps coming to my mind is, as I was studying this week is as Paul, Paul starts out, and he starts out this chapter, or chapter five, verse three, he starts out pretty harsh. Let there not even be a hint of sexual immorality among you, impurity, covetousness. And some of you right now are sitting here going, well, I don't struggle with sexual sin, so I'm off the hook. He throws in coveting, and he says that's idolatry, which is desiring anything above God. So if you're justifying something in your head right now going, he's not talking to me, you're included, okay? Nobody's off the hook. We're all in the same boat. And he goes, listen, you were these things. Now you are light. It doesn't make sense. If you're a person of light, it doesn't make sense for there to be darkness in you. It doesn't make sense. Your desires are changing. You want to please the Lord now. Don't go back to that. Our culture loves a bumper sticker that says coexist. Have you seen those coexist? That's just not true in a Christian life. We don't coexist. Light and dark can't coexist in our lives. It doesn't make sense. But I have to tell you, I have every desire in me to retreat back to darkness, even though I know it doesn't make sense. Why? Because I struggle. You see, just because we're in light now doesn't mean that all of a sudden it's like the struggle's gone away. No, I have, and I think we all have, one commentator I read, read, said, we struggle with these prevailing sins, these patterns of sin in our life. And as soon as I say that, I'm sure each and every one of you that hear me are sitting there and you immediately know what yours is. You know that area of your life that you wanna retreat back to darkness, that area of your life that you try to stuff away and you just don't wanna deal with it. And I do that with God. 
I stuff things away in my heart. I don't want to deal with it. I want to pretend that God doesn't see that area of my heart, and yet he is light, and here's why I don't want to deal with it, because I'm afraid that if I deal with it with God, that ultimately he's going to see that area of my life. He's not going to like that area of my life, and my greatest fear is that God will reject me in it. That if he actually, and he does, actually see all of me, I'm afraid that if, if he knew all that, and he does, it just doesn't make sense. He knows it, he sees it, I try to keep it from him, I try not to bring it up because I'm afraid that if I bring that up with him, if I bring that to him, he'll reject me. But there is nothing further than the truth. In Christ, God shines light into those areas of our heart that we don't wanna deal with, he brings them up, And instead of rejecting us, you know what he does? He moves in. He sets up residence there. And he says, I'm not rejecting you. In fact, I'm going to set up residence there. And I actually want to have a conversation with you about those things. Because I want you to walk in light. I want you to walk in freedom. I don't want you to walk in the bondage to that anymore. There's so much more in Christ. And yet, here's what we need. The truth is is that I need others in the body of Christ to magnify light to a dark world. I need others in order for me, in order for you to shine like God made me to shine, I need others to come alongside me. Now, I want you to think about sin for a moment. Sin has power. And here's what sin wants to do. Sin wants you to think a couple things. One, that you're in control, and two, that nobody else struggles with the same thing you do. That's what sin wants you to think. Sin always wants you to think that you're not that bad, that you can justify it, that you're still in control, and here's what sin ultimately lies to you, that you can stop anytime you want, and that if you did risk sharing your full life with somebody, even those areas you don't want to bring up, they won't understand because nobody else struggles with what you do. That's what sin wants you to think. But here's the reality. The lie is sin wants you to go, you could stop anytime you want to. But the truth is, if you could have stopped that pattern of sin in your life by now, you would have already done it. Wouldn't you? I don't think anyone sitting here would be going, no, I just like my pattern of sin, I'm good. No, if you could have stopped it by now, you would have done it. You know the area, Christ has shined a light on that area of your life, and he's going, I wanna deal with this, and you're sitting there going, no, 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 I'm still good, I'm figuring it out, I'll get it under control, I'll master it, I'll do it, and he's going, no, you have to risk letting someone else in so that you can be fully known. Because when we're fully known by others in the body of Christ, then that is when light stays on those dark areas of our hearts and we're able to walk in the freedom of light and joy. I was convicted as I was preparing this message. You see, everywhere I've gone, different churches I've gone to, 
I've worked primarily, this is my third church that I've, walked, that I've served at. I've, I was a youth pastor for a long time, then I was a family and teaching pastor, and now I've been here as a campus pastor for almost four years. And every place I've gone, I've had people that have known all of me, who've known the ins and outs of me. And I gotta tell you, that's a scary, risky thing. And, and hear me, I, I, wanna, I wanna just caveat something. I'm not asking you to just go air your dirty laundry with everybody. I'm not asking you to, to like, you don't even know somebody, and you're like, hey, you wanna go to coffee, and you sit down, and you're like, I'm cheating on my wife. And it's like, whoa, what's your name? Like, no, I'm not asking you to do that. I'm asking in the context of relationship with people you know, who you love in the body of Christ, who know the gospel, who you trust, and it's only probably one or two people, really, maybe a handful at most, that will actually know all of you. And so every place I've gone, I've had these people in my life that just know the full story of who Dave is. And yet when I got here almost four years ago, I still have those people in my life. But as I was preparing through this message, God kept bringing something to mind. And he's going, Dave, who knows you here? And I would try to justify it away. I'm like, God, I could call at any point. I could call one of those people in my life that knows me. And he's going, yeah, but who knows you here? Who sees you and interacts with you on a day in, day out basis that knows you, that you can talk to, that you can interact with face to face? Because I need that. And I was convicted because I was starting to want to retreat back to darkness and I wanted to hide and I wanted to justify it by saying people in my past knew me. And God's convicting me and he's going, no, who knows you now? And so I had to go to a good friend a couple of weeks ago and I sat down with him and I said, hey, I gotta, I gotta let you in fully of who I am. Here's, here's Dave and all it's good and all it's bad and it's all, all it's ugly. Here's who I am. And can I tell you something? It was uncomfortable. I was uncomfortable. I was scared. I was sweating. I mean, all the things. I was afraid that it was gonna risk the relationship. I was afraid that if this person actually knew all of me, that they would sit there and go, man, you're jacked up. I don't know if I can deal with that. But can I tell you something? The exact opposite thing happened. When you risk the reward is far greater than the risk. It actually strengthened the relationship. It actually brought a whole new level of depth. It brought a whole new level of um, just, it was a stronger relationship. And now, when I have somebody that knows me, that's checking in on me and going, how are you doing? What's happening in your life and in your world? It makes all the difference. I get to walk in freedom and I get to walk in light. And guess what? When we are those people and when we have those people in our lives, then we get to walk in the light and we shine individually brighter. We are who God made us to be and there's freedom and there's joy in it. And guess what's even greater is that as we do this together, you know what happens? We shine even brighter into a dark world. When you walk in the light and you walk in the light and you walk in the light you walk in the light, guess what happens? We gather together and we shine exponentially brighter into a dark world. 
And we actually are the people who God made us to be. We shine as the people of God. And can I tell you something? Church, we are the people of God. We are to shine light into darkness. You know what we're not called to do? Is stand and point out the darkness of the world. We're not here to sit there and go, that's dark, that's dark, that's dark. You know what our job is to do? Is to be the people who God made us to be. And when we do that, guess what we do? We shine and the darkness, just by the nature of who we are, is exposed. And all of a sudden, the church is now not known for in the culture of everything we're against. But the world looks at us and we present an alternative way to live, an alternative reality of going, true life is found when when we love each other, when we're patient with each other, when we walk in joy and all the things of the fruit of the spirit, when we do that together, the outside world's gonna take notice and go, that's different. The church is not just don't drink, don't smoke, and don't go with girls who do. You see, we get to present an alternative reality, an alternative way to live. And that's why in verse 14 in chapter five, Paul writes, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Church, when we walk in the light, we shine, and when we shine together, we shine all the brighter. And I'll tell you, the world will take notice. But we need we. That's what the great theologian Aaron DeShazo once said, we need we. And if you feel like you don't have these people in your life, these people, they don't, they don't happen overnight. It's, it takes time to develop these relationships. But I just gotta let you know that if you're a male and you're hearing me, if you're in this room or you're online or in one of our other venues, we do have men's groups. We have men's groups called Men of Integrity Groups. And these are guys who are sitting there going, we wanna be men who walk in the light. There's more information on the website about that. I would encourage you, there are people that are sitting there going, we wanna walk alongside. If you're sitting in here and you're struggling with something else, do not think that you are alone. There is a body of Christ that wants to gather around you who wants to walk with you. Why? Because we need each other to walk in the light. We need each other to shine the way that God desires us to. And when we do that, to use Paul's language, that is truly trading the old for the new. So what do we do with that this week? What are our next steps as we head into this week? We're gonna start first with a question. Here at Two Rivers, we love to ask Jesus questions because we are convinced that he responds, that he answers and the first question I want you, and I'm gonna give you a little bit of time here to reflect on this, is I want you to ask Jesus, what area in my life do I still wanna retreat back to darkness? So I'm gonna give you a moment, just ask Jesus that question. Let him shine light on that area that you don't wanna bring up, that area that you don't wanna talk about. Let him go there, let him shine in that area and experience his love in that area. So go ahead, give you a moment.
as God brings that thing to mind, I'm going to, as we continue to reflect, I want to I wanna add a second question to this. As God brings to mind that area that you want to retreat back in the darkness, the second question I want you to ask is, who knows this about me? Who else knows this? And so I want you to ask Jesus, is, if you're sitting there going, nobody else knows, maybe ask Jesus to bring to mind a couple names. Save people in your world who knows the Lord, who knows the gospel, who you can share with. So go ahead, take a moment. Who, who knows this about you? want to take a moment and pray for you. I know these questions are heavy and they're, they're a big wrestle. And hear me, this is not, if you walk away and you just feel shame from this message, that's not the goal of this message. I believe absolutely that the Holy Spirit convicts, yes, but he convicts for the purpose of relationship to draw you in. And the purpose of this message is going, there's more. We can walk in the light. So can I pray for you, Father? I pray for each and every person that hears my voice, whether they're here in this room or another venue or another campus, whether they're watching online. God, I pray that we would be people who walk in the light. That if you're hearing me and you don't have somebody, you have those areas of your life that you don't want to bring up, you don't want to talk about, I believe God is wanting to shine his light in those areas of your life and in your heart. He wants to bring them up because he desires for you to experience life and life to the full. And Jesus, I ask, that if somebody is sitting here, they're listening to me, if they don't have somebody in their life that they can be open and honest with, God, would you bring that person to their life? And I'm not just asking for someone in their life that would just sit and listen to them and go, hey, that's okay, bud, that's all right, just try harder. No, I'm talking about someone who knows the gospel, who will speak the gospel, who will not allow them just to get away with it, but that will call them to something more. That phrase is iron sharpens iron. One man, one woman sharpens another. God, would you bring those people to their lives, to their hearts, so that we collectively can walk in the light. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. The second next step as we head into this week is the live it out section in the bulletin. If you have a bulletin or you can scan the code and get it online, there are questions this week that dive deeper into how do we wrestle through these things. And can I just tell you something, the live it out section isn't just for you to do by yourself. If you're in here and you don't have somebody that you can share life with, the way that you learn to share life with somebody is you begin to have spiritual discussions with them. 
Because if you're gonna share all of you with somebody, guess what? It shouldn't be a shock that this is the first in-depth conversation you've had. The live it out section is a great opportunity for you to begin talking with somebody else in the body of Christ that we can do this thing together. And today, in all our venues and all our campuses, I can't think of a better way to celebrate than communion. Communion is the basis by which we are able to walk in the light. Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection is what allows us to be people to walk in the light. It allows us, this is what binds us together as people, as the people of God. It's that Jesus lived a perfect life and he willingly went to a cross and he bore all the darkness of sin in his body on that cross and yet it didn't contain him. He rose again to new life and that's the new life that he gives us. That new life is the life of walking in the light. So on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he was having a meal with his disciples. And at that meal, he took bread, and after he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this whenever you eat of it in remembrance of me. Let's take together. In the same way, at that same meal, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall at that meal because I think the disciples are going, what are you doing? Jesus started saying some pretty weird stuff and this is my body, do this. And they're like, okay. And then in the same way, he took the cup and he said, this cup is gonna be the new covenant. It's gonna be a new covenant that's gonna be written in my blood. No longer is it gonna be on tablets of stone. It's gonna be on written on your heart. And he said, this is the new covenant which is in my blood. Do this whenever you drink of it in remembrance of me. Would you pray with me, Father? Thank you. Thank you for making a way for us to walk in the light. Thank you for Jesus that he willingly came and he surrendered his life that we could be people who are reconciled to you, that we can be in relationship with you, that you can change us, you can change our desires, you can resurrect deadness in us, you can resurrect dead marriages. God, you can do it all because of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. So I pray that as your people, we would be a people who walk in the light. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.